All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com back again. And Oregon State uh, comes off the season. They are 0-1 now after the loss to Minnesota, 30-23. to But Angie predicted a win. I had them covering. We came pretty close to both being 100% accurate. Did we not? We did. we did. And I know you thought I was completely crazy for picking a win, but um, I, I think we saw some things that, I mean, they were right there in that game. Yeah, I know. And that was the thing was, I didn't want to tell you this, but <laughs> I legitimately felt comfortable with them covering a 13-point spread. I thought, okay, Minnesota could win by 10. I could totally see that. But when you came out and you said they were going to win, like I did a lot of reading on Minnesota, and and well, we can briefly talk about Mitch Leidner, but like I just thought all these elements adding against the Beavers that they just they didn't have a real chance, and I was pretty amazed, uh, and I was rooting for you to be a hundred percent right because the fight that they showed from start all the way to finish, even though they were outscored in the fourth quarter and didn't really get anything going, uh, I still think it was a really good sign, and you've got to be feeling good if you're a Beaver fan today, right? Oh, I, I completely, and I I think where the Beavers are though is. You can't have moral victories. You know, this is a team that expected to go into Minnesota and win. Um, they're still, you know, now they're battling. But in my eyes, I saw a lot of things that they can work on and get better on. And they wouldn't have saw that necessarily if they opened with, a, you know, an Idaho State, for example. This was a, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team, a decent opponent, you mm-hmm. know, probably a bowl team. So uh, good competition for them to kind of gauge where they're at heading into the season. I want to talk about kind of the uh, the disappointments or observations, I think, from the Oregon State standpoint, which it's funny that we're saying disappointments given what maybe the most most people's expectations were for the week one performance against Minnesota. Uh, but I did want to point out one thing. Mitch Leidner and his performance, I, I mean, for all the talk about that kid, and, you know, I told you on the last podcast, Todd McShay, who I respect a lot for ESPN, he had this kid as like a sleeper first, the next Carson Wentz. I thought he looked terrible. Derek yeah, Gar- Garrettson was so much better than him. So much. Yeah, I, I was not overly impressed with with, with Leidner. And I, I was impressed with their front seven on defense. I thought Minnesota's front seven was big and stout. But overall, gosh, um, total winnable game. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So uh, let's just kind of get into the uh, the meat of it. What uh, what were you surprised? What left you really surprised about that performance? You know, I, a couple like standout performances. I was I, now I guess I, I probably shouldn't be shocked, but I, I was surprised a little bit by the performance in a good way by Noah Togiai at tight end, Daryl Garrettson. I thought. Um, you know, he threaded a few needles there that were, were great throws. Defensively, I thought Manasseh Hangalu uh, surprised me. Caleb Salo played well. And Devin Chappelle. Um, so those guys right there kind of stood out to me on film. You know, Devin Chappelle was out of, out of um, position a few times, but he was in there making plays. Uh, Xavier Crawford, too, was another new name for, I think, a lot of Beaver fans. So those were the positives I took away. And uh, how about you? Uh, I, I agree with most of what you said. I was a little disappointed because I honestly got to a crux on the last podcast of saying surprise player. I think I went Dwayne Williams, and I seriously almost went, ah, Xavier Crawford, he's the younger guy. I think he's going to get a little more reps. I still went Williams anyway, and I saw Crawford get most of the reps, and I'm like, damn it, why didn't I go Xavier Crawford? Why didn't I trust my gut on that one? Uh, pleasant surprise. I think you have to go Seth Collins. We can talk about the Civil War all we want, uh, but I just didn't know what to expect fully, though. You know, like, this is the first real year he's not the quarterback. Is it realistic that he could get uh, seven, eight, nine, ten touchdowns? Is that even possible for a player like him? He not only played well, 
He turned out to be kind of their secret weapon in the backfield, and he turned out to be their best wide receiver on the night. So I think that's got to be a pleasant surprise. Devin Chappelle as well. Uh, he was absolutely player of the, of the night to me defensively for them. Uh, I liked the secondary. Wasn't really shocked by their play. That was kind of the experienced group. And then if even if you went disappointing, uh, I, I think I would have to look at the entire receiver group outside of Seth Collins, and I'd go right side of the offensive line. I mean, it's, look, it's no it's no surprise. Like you're not going to listen to this podcast and go, oh, I wonder what they're going to tell me that that I wasn't already thinking. Like that is something everybody already noticed. Yeah, Dustin yeah. Stanton was absolutely terrible in his first game of the year. And look, I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to hide how a kid played and say, oh, he's in college. I'm not going to call him out too bad. I don't want to do that. But I'm also not going to be afraid to say that he just played like absolute garbage. And look, it's not, I'm not even the most disappointed with him in that performance. I was more disappointed with the wide receivers. What yeah, are you doing? Yeah, yeah I, and I, I'm still kind of curious. I mean, we had the targeting call on... Jordan Villeman early, and then he was like a non-factor after that. So I don't know, you know, if he was kind of seeing stars there for a while. But yeah, I mean, drop balls, really, just kind of sloppy play. So um, that was a disappointment as well. But like you said, Seth Collins was a bright spot there. He ran, you know, good routes, made good big catches, and like I said, Noah Togiai. But yeah, gosh, there was a couple of those two big sacks. One one guy got right past Fred Lewina untouched to get Garrettson. But how about that kid? Garrettson was tough. Yeah, I love Daryl Garrettson. Um, I think we kind of agreed, and we I know we agreed kind of a little too much on this podcast, so Angie, stop agreeing with me on everything. Uh, but uh, I think we, we agreed kind of like Daryl Garrettson in, in reality. You knew he was going to be night and day better than what you were going to get last year, but I was even more impressed than I think I was, I thought I would be, to be honest with you. I mean, he came out and he knew the playbook front and back. He came out there kind of the confident leader, he took some huge shots. He got up. He seemed fine. And he didn't let it shake him. You know, there were moments, I think, early on where yeah, after they got that first touchdown, you're like, all right, this is great. They've got momentum. And then there's a couple possessions, and they struggle, and he gets a shot or two. One of them he took a minute to get up from, and you're like, oh, no. Like, where is his confidence going to be shot? How is he going to react to this? And I thought he responded really well. I loved what I saw from Garrettson. Yeah, and how about running backs? You know, we talked about, you know, who was going to be the backup to Ryan Nall, who ended up tweaking his ankle and didn't play a whole lot after after a, a pretty decent first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we saw some Tim Cook. We saw Artavis Pierce. I, I thought we saw some, some good things from both of them. I, I think Artavis is maybe a little ahead of Tim Cook, but, I mean, he had a nice, nice run there on that touchdown. Yeah, he absolutely did. You know, the thing about the running game, too, is I think it's pretty evident they're going to need them uh, in terms of having that depth. I really like Ryan Nall. I do. But getting through some of those tackles, some of those plays, that's going to be interesting to watch their run blocking and going forward in the season, how that's going to develop. I didn't think they were particularly great up front of kind of creating those holes and helping them out, which is why that screen game was so big. I mean, yeah, putting putting yeah. Null in those quick, you know, quick hit situations out of the backfield and setting him up to go get, you know, 45, 50-yard gains, those are monstrous. But you are going to need at some point, especially in conference play and even against opponents like Boise State, you're going to have to have a running game. Like the linebackers, the DBs, they're going to sniff those out. Better teams, I think, will sniff those out. And I think if you want to have success and try to help your quarterback out, you've got to try to establish a better run game. They finished with 89 yards on the ground with Ryan Nall. Uh, that kid needs to have at least a buck 10, a buck 15, I think, for them to be successful on the ground. And I liked what I saw. But again, you got to show improvement. And I think that's the thing is, 
the talent's there. That's the most important. The talent is there. It's just about now kind of executing and working out some of the kinks of the first game. Because again, and I said this on my radio show, Angie, outside of Colorado and Washington, I watched every Pac-12 game this weekend. Outside of those two teams, what Mm -hmm. team in the Pac-12 looked crisp? Yeah, none of them. None of them. So even Stanford, that one by 13, I watched that whole game. They even had their struggles a little bit. So you can have your moments, and you can struggle in this department and that department. Uh, but it's about week one to week two. And playing Minnesota, I think, now sets up for them to show us a big week two because you're going against a lesser opponent. Yeah, I mean, I expect Oregon. I, that that game better be like a 50 to 60 to 10 kind of game. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's kind of what I'm looking for, too, because I was at the Weber State game last year, and I remember thinking kind of the same thing. You know, I knew the talent wasn't great, but I'm thinking, oh, this is Weber State, like Gary Anderson's first game. Let's see them come out and win like 45-3. to three. And they, they struggled in the first half. I think the final score ended up being like, what was it, 26-7 to seven or something? Yeah, it was, it was way closer than I think anybody expected yeah. it to be. And, yeah, and I think people just want to, they want to see what you're saying. They want to go to Corvallis or they want to watch this game on TV and they want to see 50-10, to 50-7. Show us a blowout performance against not a very good program. And, and I think the team needs that. They need to really kind of get the. Granted, it's it's a lesser opponent, but you get you need that confidence up, that swagger built back up, the confidence, and uh, that's what they need going in then to Boise State, which is going to be a, a big game. But that's that's for another week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that one. You know, the other thing too, I wanted to get back to this because uh, I I wonder if this bothered anybody else. Like it bothered me, um, and, and I'm curious about your take on it too. I, I think leading up to that game. I don't think I had talked about a position group more than maybe Oregon State's guys, just from the stance of, you know, Oregon State's probably probably not a bowl team this year in most people's eyes. So it's like you want to see the development and the growth in this area and that area. And the one thing I would always harp on uh, was that, look, they, they're lacking a lot and they're still young and they're inexperienced and they're still recruiting in, in different areas. But the one thing I do know is that they should be pretty damn good in the skill positions. We know what Ryan Nall is capable of. Daryl Garrettson is a much better player uh, than anything they had at quarterback. And wide receivers, they're stacked. They like they really are when you compare them to some other programs to where you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And, and I kind of I walk away from that. And look, it's week one. You still got a lot of room to improve. But you have two wide receivers coaches, and I thought they were the worst position group of of anybody else for the Beavers. And I just like scratching my head of what what how do you change that? Like, what do you do different that you didn't do versus Minnesota? Because those were some very routine drops that they had in that game. Oh, completely. And that, I think that was my biggest disappointment after that game was was some of the veteran mistakes. You you kind of you know maybe can chalk up some of the on the young guys, some, some kind of bonehead maneuvers, but some of the drops, some of the missed tackles on some veteran players. And like I said, like you said, I'm not here to like call players out, but that was eye opening. And and those kids, I mean, they know, they know they need to step up or they're going to find themselves not starting. Yeah. See, that's the important thing to me. And I had a a couple of people tweet this to me during the game. And then like a couple of days later, um, you know, like Victor Bolden, for example, that's a senior wide receiver. That's a guy that, you know, the expectations probably weren't fair for him coming into the program of like, yeah, that's potentially the next Brandon Cooks. Like that was the given for people, right? And that's a hard expectation to live up to. That's one of the best wide receivers in Oregon State history. But you're a senior now. You, you're year two under Anderson. You were a Riley guy. 
You have the speed. We've seen it in spurts. Like he had the touchdown catch in that game. We've seen it in other games as well. But, you know, big fourth quarter moments, game on the line, first down needed, and a huge drop. Like, huge drop, yeah. Those are those are moments I think Beaver fan out there is just like like you should be past those, right? And then again, this is week one. And that, I mean, you you do. You expect that senior you do. veteran to be the go-to yes. guy to make those big plays. I mean, how used to it are we from an Oregon State standpoint and then just from a Pac-12 standpoint of the senior wide receiver guy, the guy with maybe had a decent year the year prior and then people expect bigger things. Now, Bolden wasn't necessarily in that category, but I think people assume because he's a senior, it was going to translate to being more productive and upping his play and kind of bouncing back from somewhat of a disappointing junior year. And he had some big drops in it, and I'm just like sitting on my couch, and I'm thinking, guy, I mean, look, this is fine. This is week one. This sucks. But if you're doing this week four, I I, want to see Trevon Bradford. I want to see Paul Lucas. I want to see other young guys start to get more of your run. Hernandez and and Hunter Jarman, who who, uh, lost his starting spot to Seth Collins. So, yeah, there's some guys on the roster that are chomping at the bit to get out in the field. And it sounds really unfair to almost say it, but – you're gone after this year. And this if you're looking at it from a program-building standpoint, I think you get to a point, if this is happening in week four or five, people are all going to be wanting the future to play. And that's yeah. the younger guys. So, you know, that was, for me, that was kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, and we can get in the offensive line here in a second. But that was the biggest for me. Of There's two coaches for that position group. And I, I really like both of those guys. I've interviewed them several times, and Brent Brennan and Dave Baldwin – I just was really disappointed with their play. I, I just, Jordan Villeman had some big drops as well. I just thought they were going to be more productive and help Garrettson out more. And, and in moments where he really needed it, they really lacked. Yeah, and, and I think that's what, what it came down to is the moments that they needed it because they did make some big plays. They did, you know, they had more passing yards in Minnesota, but it was those moments that they needed it. Yeah, that, you know, it, it fell short. And, and I don't know what happened, if it was the lighting or what, but uh, Victor Bolden, Returning punts was not. There were a couple that he almost muffed, and so that was a. a that I, we saw uh, Rommel Dockery come in then later. How do you think he is? How would you categorize him as a punt return in his career at Oregon State? Bolden. Yeah. Well, he's had you know pieces of you know really spectacular and and then some mediocre. So do you, do you um, get nervous when he's back there? I do. I do. Yeah. I. I Actually, you know, Paul Lucas, or I mean, gosh, we saw a ton of Trevon Bradford during spring. So I know we didn't um, see any of them in that game. We didn't see any of them. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys waiting in the wings. So, um, I mean, that's that's called step up time right now for for those older guys to to really gut check and improve. Yeah, this is. I think that's kind of the mix of what they want this year, right? It's it's the combination of show us the growth, show us the culture shift, show us that you bought in show us fight, show us hunger, and then you also mix that with the seniors of stepping up in the leadership department and helping this team in moments where it really doesn't have any other option. And I think that's kind of what I took away uh, in regards to like Victor Bolden and the punt return thing's interesting. I have always felt two ways about punt returners because so many of them call fair catches in the NFL and college, right? So you, it's really tough to find that guy. But my two feelings on punt returners are this. One... I should get excited for you, or two, I'm nervous about you. Yeah, no, you're right. I never want to be number two. Now, number one, Poyer was this way for a long time where he'd have a lot of fair catches, but man, when he got the opportunity, he'd bust it to the house. 
But you never had him and Sammy Strada are the two that stand out. Yeah. That you, you never had that worry of, oh, my gosh, I just hope he you know, feels it cleanly. Yeah. And look, it's, it's almost I almost feel bad doing that comparison because those are basically one guy was in the NFL for three years. Another guy is still starting defensive player for the Cleveland Browns. So it's tough to compare him to the, on that level. But that's kind of my point at punt returner. Maybe that's a Paul Lucas, right, where it doesn't have to mean NFL talent, but leave me excited. Don't leave yeah. me nervous. If I'm nervous, that's not a great thing. And it's like, remember the Gerard Lawson? Yeah. I think he had three exactly. punts in, at that Arizona or UCLA I think it, it was the UCLA game. I remember that yeah. one. I was at that game, and I was like, good Lord, man, stop. <laughs> Just stop. Just catch the ball, get off the field. Um, I want to move on to the offensive line play. I feel like this is a a mixed bag, in my opinion, and I'm curious to get your thoughts as well, of the right side of the line, and particularly Dustin Stanton, who was just beaten badly by a freshman defensive end. Uh, Devers was that kid's last name. He was a stud. He had two, he had the two sacks, two forced awesome. fumbles. He's a beast, man. I, I, I don't think that's just a Dustin Stanton problem, by the way. I think that kid's going to be a good player. But that's the glaring kind of spotlight out of the game when you lose. It was, oh, Dustin Stanton on the right side uh, and the right side of the offensive line. They did not play well. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on it. You know, I, on Beaver Blitz, we have a new feature this year. It's called the Trench Report. And so we have a former offensive lineman. He played at Willamette on their national championship team. Um, he, he actually went through and watched the game nine hours and broke down every single offensive play and graded out each lineman. Seriously, I, I don't even know how you would do that, but he did. <laughs> I learned so much. So, you know, he gives grades out for each one. Now, he, in, during, for his grades, Gavin Andrews actually won the Golden Sled Award for best. You know, he, his grade was still a D, but he was close to a C. So yeah. um, that was kind of his, his ranking there. Dustin Stanton did earn Best Play Award. It was on the screen in the first touchdown drive. Um, he had perfect position. The defender had perfect position to blow past him, but that, uh, Stanton came in and laid him out just to, to give uh, more time. So, um, you know, he did have some good play, but overall it was a D performance for the offensive line, um, according to, to our writer at Beaver Blitz. And I will say this, like I think there was two snaps total, maybe three that I counted during the game because I was really watching that. Uh, I thought the Yanni kid played pretty well. Uh, yeah, there are a couple low snaps, but... Um, other than that, I mean, it was, I mean, first game, redshirt freshman. Yeah, you didn't have many. Uh, I noticed this because I, I was really watching the offensive line to see how are they going to protect Daryl Garrettson. It's great to have Garrettson, but what you, what is protection going to be like this year? I didn't see a ton of breakdown in, in, in pass blocking and even a little bit of run blocking kind of in the middle, right side, left side when he'd shift over. So I think that's an encouragement. If you're going to take encouragement from from the offensive line, uh, to me, it's the center position. Now, granted, it's one game. So Idaho State, Boise State, Colorado, we'll see. We'll gauge it off that stuff. But from Minnesota, just if I was taking anything away, I thought uh, Yanni played pretty well at center. I agree with Gavin Andrews. The thing about Stanton is this. Did we really – did we expect good offensive line play this year? Because I didn't. No, I didn't either. But I expected – Lowina and Stanton to kind of be the stalwarts yeah. on the line. Yeah, you figured it'd go on the other end, right? If it was going to yeah. happen, it yeah, wouldn't be but, on the right side. But, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll learn from it, and you know, it's a different system, different blocking techniques that they use. So um, I do know that they'll be working extensively on that. But, no, I didn't, I didn't think that 
offensive line was going to be a strength by any any stretch. And they, but they did get some help this week. Um, Will Hopkins is back in the mix, and Braden Kearsley has been playing more as well. So, at least depth wise, I, you know this bye week has been good for getting some more bodies back. I'm curious uh, how long Gary Anderson goes before he maybe makes tweaks. Like Idaho State, I doubt he'll see anything major there unless they have a struggle against Idaho State, and if they do. That's trouble going forward for this program. Uh, but if they're able to blow them out, maybe Boise State, their first conference game, I believe, is Colorado. Yeah, October Colorado. 1st, Colorado. And Cal, like, I wonder how many weeks Gary Anderson will go uh, before kind of deciding, all right, this is kind of my offensive line group. Or does he just go into the year with kind of a plug and play? Oh, I really like the group. I'm going to keep them uh, disappointed. I'm going to shift some guys around. I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I am too, but I, I think with offensive line, it's pretty important to keep that group intact as much as possible. I mean, they really do kind of get down to a you know, a system, and a, they know each other's nuances. If you start tweaking too much, I worry yeah. that they, they won't have that cohesiveness. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I, I've felt that for a long time, is like, stop thinking you need to tweak with everything, and sometimes just give things patience. You know, that, yeah. was, that yeah. was kind of a topic we talked about on my radio show today, was patience in sports in particular we're talking about nfl quarterbacks but it's just you can apply this to anything in college football too specifically an offensive line group we as fans media etc we watch these games and you know lawina and and stanton play terribly right and and they're the ones getting a lot of the backlash and a lot of people their gut reaction is get them out of there get them out of there it's like let's wait a few weeks let's give them some time let them develop I, I wasn't shocked that they got lit up. My thing is, I was just kind of with what you're saying, I'm shocked that it was the players that it was. I I didn't think it'd be that side of the line. I thought it'd be the left side opposed to the right. But again, there's a mixed bag here of Stanton didn't play well. He's a senior. That was a freshman that was going against him, a true freshman at that. You don't You don't like to see that kind of play. I want to see him kind of adjust. I want to see what he's going to do in the next two games. But also, let's take into account maybe that Devers kid turns into some stud. You know, what if yeah. he ends oh, up yeah. being he... a Big Ten freshman of the year type player? So, I always think there's a little bit of the pump the brakes in week one stuff, you know? Yeah, oh, definitely. And, I mean, that that Devers kid, he looks special. Yes. Yeah, no, he can't be he can't be targeting and cheating, but, you know. Well, he... that, that was kind of the other thing. I didn't think all three of those were targeting. I thought two of them were. I thought that last one was kind of meh. Yeah, but they call it. I mean, it, it reminded me one of two years ago called on Brandon Arnold. Yeah, I just, I think the targeting rule of ejecting kids is so stupid. I think, honestly, if I broke it down of like the major sports most people watch, because you can give me cricket, all that, et cetera. I think of all the major sports people watch targeting. Did you really just bring up cricket on the damn podcast? Let me tell you right now. <laughs> this is This is what I deal with on almost a daily basis, Angie. I will say... That was the greatest play in all of sports. And by all of sports, I basically mean football, basketball, maybe baseball. Yeah. But most people, I'll get people that text in, bro, you missed the volleyball sand tournament, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, I wasn't talking about sand volleyball. So sometimes I feel I need to like cover myself before I give an opinion. <laughs> Hence why I gave the cricket drop. But uh, I would say this. Of the major sports we care about, I think targeting and the reaction to targeting is the dumbest rule in sports. Now, I like the targeting call. I like that it's a 15-yard penalty. Why are we ejecting these kids? I mean, I get it. You want to stop them? 
give them a warning and say, you do that again and you're ejected. I just think it's so reactionary and you can almost just, you can determine an outcome depending on talent. If Oregon State wins that game, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it up. Minnesota lost three defensive studs due to the targeting call. That sucks for them. You've got to overcome things sometimes in sports. But I also don't like that we just eject these kids, Oregon State or not Oregon State. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, don't they kick guys out for like purposely taking their helmet off too? I mean, some of the stuff's just stupid. Yeah, we don't do that in the NFL. Like, no. The targeting call is a real call. We're not. You're not ejecting guys from that. It, it, the NBA, when you intentionally foul someone or you lead with something, like there's flagrant twos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But very rarely are those given out because I think they take into account. It's like, well, we can't just. You can't just eject somebody every single time. To have three players, that's partly on Minnesota and their staff. But I have never seen anything like that. Though. I haven't either. I think that's a record, is it not? It has to be. Three targeting calls. Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, the Minnesota game, uh, what grade would you give it overall? I know we talked a lot of disappointment and some surprises. I gave it a C. Yeah. I, you know, it wasn't – there were a lot, a lot of positives, and I, I don't want people to be walking away saying, oh, my gosh, Brandon and Auntie were so negative about it. There was a lot of positives, but um, like I said, the best part about it for me is that this team now actually has some really good tangible film and tangible things they need to work on. Okay, I'm going to go with you. Um, I know I've been really negative on the receivers, talking about the offensive line, et cetera. I'm actually going to go a little more positive than you, though. I'm going to give it a B. And, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I th- Angie, they were they lost by one score. They were there in the fourth quarter. I didn't expect that. Vegas is not in the business of getting it that wrong. Um, and so I, I thought they played surprisingly well. Um, a lot of things they can correct. I think you walk away with a lot of things that you're satisfied with and other things you want to see improvement on. But overall, for me, I have to give that a B. I mean, this was a two-win program last year. Uh, The over-under in Vegas is three and a half. I know we have a really good question coming up, and I don't want to ruin it. Um, But you guys know where my prediction was for this program. I was really impressed with their ability to go into the fourth quarter and compete. That was the big thing was the second half of a couple games last year. They just got boat raced because they didn't have the horses. And I feel like now some coaching changes, some tweaks, some focus, they have the horses. I, I just I just believe that. So uh, I give it a B. It's a good start to their season. That's a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see competitive football that showed me that they are close to getting to getting to a point that Gary Anderson is satisfied with. Now, he's not going to be satisfied till they're in the, the Pacto title game, but I still think you're a few years from that. So for this season, I thought that was a B. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going Mr. Optimistic on the whole thing. I know, um, Let's shift over so, to some other news, because uh, I hope we broke that down enough for people. Let's shift over to some other uh, big news before we get to some damn questions. Um, there was a big shift for you. And the Beaver Blitz family, would you care to tell some of the listeners who haven't heard yet uh, of what's gone down? Yes, it was. It, I couldn't say anything um, last week's podcast or until it happened uh, due to contractual reasons with my contract with Rivals and Yahoo. But Beaver Blitz made the move to the Scout Network. So, um, you know, it was hosted on Rivals. It's now hosted on Scout. Same group. We have brought all our writers over, um, all the, the people you know and love over on Beaver Blitz are there, and um, 
you know, it was tough. I was one of those decisions. We, we had been with rivals for 14 years, and to make this decision was not something that I did lightly, and, and the staff didn't make lightly. But in the end, the analysts, the recruiting analysts are top-notch. They're always on the board, you know, giving us information. And uh, the chance to work with the most, you know, the, the most popular and biggest Pac-12 sites um, out there mm-hmm. is, is huge. So, um, you know, we'll be working with these guys on a, on a weekly basis based on who we're playing. Big time move for Beaver Blitz. It's tough. I know change is hard, but um, you know, I didn't do this. I know the timing was horrendous. I've heard that from several of you, and you know, believe me, I would have chosen any other time. But again, it came down to when my contract ran out with Rivals, and uh, you know, they didn't want to. They wanted me to stick around till the very end of my contract, which I did. And uh, yeah, new home, excitement. We've been doing a lot of fun things, new things on the site, and. The lodge is is back now, and it's at Scout, and it's uh, it's already rocking. So if you're not a member, we have a promo that lasts just through tonight. This is uh, Wednesday, the September seventh. So I apologize for that. Um, hopefully, we'll run some more promos here eventually. But it's kind of a welcome to the new home, and it's sign up for one month and get two additional free. So for nine ninety five, you will get three months of Beaver Blitz. It'll take you through the football season, and you'll be able to join in the the banter in the lodge and read all the great articles that are coming out every day. Well, that is fantastic news. Uh, I'm really happy about, about this move for you. Uh, we talked about this off the podcast uh, a little while ago, and, and I was really excited for you when you told me about it. And I was really looking forward to the big announcement coming. Uh, the, the thing people need to understand for, you know, for some of those frustrated by the timing of the move uh, media can suck for the contractual reasons. Uh, medias are not in the business to allow you to just walk away and go work for somebody else. They're they're going to hold you or they're going to make sure you're not getting the exposure so you don't have as much success when you're not with them. So I know that can be frustrating, but look, there's nothing Angie uh, could have done about that, but I'm, I'm really excited for you. There's some really good people over at Scout uh, that I really have a lot of respect and admiration for. Um, I, I love the I love the podcast that we do during the football season, and I think this is going to be a great move long term uh, for all the Beaver Blitz subscribers, for all the Oregon State fans, and for college football fans in general that love following recruiting. I think Scout is top notch, and uh, I think uh, not only you're going to love it, which you've told me you have or you do, um, but I, I think the fans and um, people that follow recruiting will as well. Yeah, it'll be fun, Brandon. We've talked about it, and we'll be able to get some some of those publishers here on the podcast. We can get Brandon Huffman and, and Greg Biggins on the podcast, and some basketball. I know a lot of people are really high on basketball recruiting, and and Scout has three national analysts who you know Oregon State have, has just popped out a couple new offers there, and those analysts have already been in the lodge talking about those kids. So, um, really fun times, and I look forward to bringing those guys on the podcast too. So I saw a um, I saw a really funny tweet, and I can't recall who it was from. So apologies if it was if you're a listener out there, and this was your tweet. I saw it retweeted on my t- uh, timeline during the football game, and I know uh, football fans are not going to like this, but I, I kind of thought this was funny. It basically said, "Eh, oh well, now Oregon State's just a basketball school. That's fine." <laughs> <laughs> And I said, uh, well, let's let's wait a couple of years. If Gary Anderson doesn't have it going, then we can officially say that. But I, I think wow, kinda, ready to just make him a basketball school. I kind of thought that was just funny. It's like, oh, now we're a basketball school. We're Kansas. Great, no problem. Nice, Turn nice. Into Kansas. Um, my my favorite of the day. I don't, totally off topic, but it's football. Mm-hmm. Was um, Oregon and their uniforms with the blue collars built in. 
Oh, can I tell you guys something about that? So, I, I once in a while like to throw in some uh, some some organ tidbits, and I, we got a couple people last week that tweeted like, "Hey, they really liked the uh, kind of the talk, talking about the rivalry stuff." Yeah, I have at least let me see this probably eight to eleven people that are duck fan, duck alums, etc. And so there's and there's a couple people I know that I'm not as close with, but I'll talk to on occasion that are very close to that program. And the people that, you know, my friends, it was so funny because I texted them. I said, y'all right with this? And they said, F no, we have crossed the line into absolutely obscene ugliness. <laughs> I mean, those, I feel like this, nobody said anything. I really feel like if that would have been an Adidas school, because, and those were Adidas jerseys. Oh, everybody would have, would have been lighting those up on Twitter, but because it's Oregon, because it's Nike, every no, like nobody's really saying Nobody anything. Said anything. No, and I thought oh, I that did. was so. And then I had Duck Fan coming in telling me not to worry. You know, you know, and I was like, I'm not worried about it, but I just find it completely absurd that a team that just released a new facility that has to have napping pods for God's sake. <laughs> Is where it has to be reminded that they're a blue collar team. Uh, it just it was well. It's not just the blue collar. It was just the ugliness overall. Yeah, of that yeah, the, gray and the number and I, it, it, come on, like I don't even care what school you root for. How can that not be considered just god awful ugly? That was the look. Some of their uniforms I actually really like. And if you would have told me OSU would have a little more combination, I'd be okay with that. But that was for sure the ugliest uniform. Uh, I've seen a while, and I've seen some bad ones. The Jacksonville Jaguars had some. Uh, I've seen a couple the like Steelers, the Steelers stripe things. The Steeler B jerseys. Yeah. Maryland's had some god awful ones. I thought those were up there. It's just a nasty gray with a weird number font, and then yeah, the blue just, collar. It was like, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, bizarre. Hell, hell, are you doing? Anyways, I just wanted to throw that tidbit out there. Um, Duck fan was not happy about that. Uh, so let's do some damn questions. Let's do some questions. I, I've, I've got them all written down here. So thank you, uh, Beaver fans on Twitter and on Beaver Blitz for getting us your questions. And uh, let's start here. We have Hale the Flattail. Said, who um, do you think, Brandon, will take the biggest step between game one and game two? Ooh, we going to play or are we going to position? What are we doing? Um, let's do position group. Okay. Um I think it's far and away going to be. This is almost unfair given the opponent. It's going to be the offensive line. Your line, yeah. I was going to say the same. I mean, it's uh, who needs to though. That's that's his follow up question. Who do you think needs to step up? Receivers. Receivers. Um, Yeah, or O line. I mean, either way, you could flip it. But I think the O line will take the biggest step. I mean, I liked what I saw defensively for the most part. Um, the the backers, the DBs, they played well. The D line needs to get a little better rush. I didn't think the pass rush was very good, but they weren't they weren't horrendous. They got a little shredded, but that's in part kind of the linebacker combination there. Um, so you can improve there. But overall, it's the offensive line receiver group that everybody looks at. Offensive line just by default of playing a crappy opponent like Idaho State is going to play better. Yeah, the yeah. receivers need to build their confidence, and so it better be the receivers that come out and. You know, Villeman, six catches, 110 yards. Victor Bolden, eight catches, 130 yards. Uh, Trevon Bradford gets some run. Paul Lucas is not just kind of a weapon out of the backfield. He's also a slot guy. Show me something from those players. Build some confidence for yourself. You're going to need it against Boise State. And I think kind of the same could be said for the offensive line of building that confidence. 
Okay, that's yeah. They both need need to. They both need to take steps. So C uh, Beef says now yeah. thoughts on the bi week placement. Um, Would you like having week two bi week? No, no. You, I don't either. You should never like a week two bi. You know, Coach Anderson, you know, said yesterday how it was a good time. The Beavers needed it. I know. Have you seen that schedule? Yeah. It would be so much better to have a, a break partway through. So I've seen in the past, like, for some reason, some teams I feel like have had two kind of buys, like the way they start their season. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was pretty common to Oregon State, and I checked it, and I'm like, no, no, they don't, actually. This is stupid. They're going to play now 11, 11 games straight. in a row. Like, that's not good for a team that kind of lacks a little depth and inexperience. But Anderson seems to be okay with it. Uh, he did drop a tidbit that... You know, he's glad it's this year, not next year's team, because next year's team shouldn't need it, which I thought was basically his way of saying this team's not going to be nearly as good as they will next year Yeah, without yeah. actually directly saying that. But I hate it. Uh, I don't know. I don't really don't know why you would like it. Now, a listener from my radio show named Scott was chiming in uh, on the text machine. He said that this was a scheduling blunder and this was supposed to be the Stanford game, but some scheduling thing got confused. And they had to push the game back. I didn't know how accurate that was, but I, I don't know. He texted that in, and I was like, oh, maybe he got wind of something that I don't remember reading about. Hmm. I, I vaguely remember that, but I thought it was just that Sanford and Oregon State both had a bye week that second week. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of a, what it was. talk of trying to get that, which I don't know. I mean, do you want to play Stanford? I, I, yeah, I guess I, you'd rather play Stanford right out of the gate. Second week of the yeah, get them out of the get them out, out of the way. way. Yeah, no, I hate I hate the buy in week two. I think it's stupid. I would never do that if I was a coach. Uh, and that's going to be the test. It's going to be the the health test the rest of the way. Eleven exactly. straight games, especially you know again hammering on the O line. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of depth there. No, I mean when Gavin Andrews went down last weekend or last week it was a little frightening. Yep. He came back and everything was fine, but. Um, okay, so um, CB also wanted to know if you, now that you've seen all Pac-12 teams, do you revise your thoughts on the predictions? Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to get. I thought that was a really good question because you know you see week one, do you change? Do you react to it? Um, so Idaho State is a win. Boise State to me, we kind of get a better test of who they are. They play Wazoo this weekend. That's actually it's not a great weekend of college football, but that's maybe a game to keep an eye on if you're a B fan. And then at Colorado is going to be tough. And I, I said that preseason. I just didn't look at Colorado the same way everybody else did. I think this Colorado team is going to be a five-win program, pushing for six in a bowl appearance. I think that's going to be brutal because they beat you. Yeah, and they're you. on the road. Yeah, they I beat mean, you at home last year. They're yeah. Now you're on the road at Boulder. So I'm going to actually chalk that up to a loss. Cal could be a win, but that offense is good. I'll be honest with you. No, it didn't change it. Um, again, I still think... I think three wins, but I think it's a a little more impressive three-win season, if that's even possible, than you would imagine, just because I think they're going to be closer. Cal, Colorado, Boise State, uh, I'll go Arizona. I think they could beat Arizona. Civil War was close last year. Hey, maybe this is the year that they're close again, if not win. There's a couple games on your schedule remaining where you could pop one uh, and be pretty close in some other ones. So I'm not ready to say it changes my prediction. I still think they win three games, but I was impressed with the effort, and if they won four, wouldn't be shocked at all. I think I had them at five wins, but I had them beating Minnesota. So, um, yeah, I'm not changing my prediction. I, I think there's just too much growth between game one and game two. Yeah, I mean, Washington State lost to um, Eastern Washington. They lost to 
Portland State last year too. So um, there's there's a lot of things that happen week one that teams will change. So I'm going to stay there. I mean, I guess now it's a four-win season with my predictions being wrong from week one, but um, <laughs> I, I think that's possible. Um, okay, Q Beaver asks, how soon can Braden Kearsley get into the mix? Um, he is actually in the two deep right now. He's been running with the twos. So, um, you know, watch for him to get healthy. I'll just answer that one for you, Brandon, because I got it. Well, here's here's the thing I had uh, in following that up. Do people want offensive line changes already, or do we want to see this group for a while before we make – It goes back to my point. I think you just need to you keep the guys you have. Yeah. And Keir, look, Kearsley's a local kid. He was almost a Riley guy, and he chose to go to a different school that ultimately didn't work out for him. So I think that's kind of why the natural where's he at – and I asked that before the season started too. Uh, I'm just kind of like, hey, is he going to play? Because – I think the consensus was when he transferred, oh, he's coming to OSU, he'll play in two years, he'll be a starter. And now he's, you know, injuries and kind of health has been a a thing for him. And now he finds himself on the two deep uh, as a backup. Yeah. And I, and like you said, it's the local kid everybody's rooting for. But um, hey, there's nothing wrong right now with being on the two deep at the offensive line because we've all seen things can happen. But um, he is making making strides, so that's that's good for him. And then Rip City Beaver and Wesley Bouchang, both on Twitter, kind of had similar questions. So um, I don't know, Brandon, if you saw, but we put on Beaver Blitz yesterday, and then we tweeted it out that four-star cornerback Christian Wallace. I did see that. You broke that news. Congratulations. Yeah, so he is home. He was at home in Texas. He had a credit that um, he thought he was good. He was in Corvallis all summer doing the best program. And then got word that one credit was not going to be accepted by the NC2A. He went home. I think he retook the class, but he let me know yesterday that he will be landing in in Corvallis tomorrow. So um, he is ready to go. He says that I, I assumed that he would probably be redshirting just because he missed all of fall camp, but he corrected me and said, that's not my plan. Is that a kid being optimistic? Uh-huh. Maybe. Um, however, today... Um, he was a walk-on corner out of Portland. Uh, Jadon Grant had a picture on Twitter that he actually looked like he went in for shoulder surgery today. So makes sense now why Rommel Dockery has moved to corner for some yeah. depth issues. And, you know, I, I think Coach Anderson and, you know, Coach Hall, Coach Odom, they're going to see what Christian Wallace can do. If he comes in in good shape, still knowing the playbook, they will, you know, give him a look because they, they need some some depth there. Yeah, I think they're for sure going to give that kid a chance. Um, I like the confidence, by the way. No, I'm not redshirting. Well, it's yeah, not. I'm not. They all tell me that, though, Brandon. Every time I, I ask a freshman, it's, you know, are you going to redshirt? No, no. <laughs> well, I'm coming in. It's not always your decision. That's the unfortunate part of college football. Um, I think he's got a chance here. Uh, I really do. Oh, by the way, were you going to follow up with a question? Oh, he just, he wanted to know what sort of expectations that we had with him. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. Um, I I don't really have much expectation because you don't know if he's redshirting or not. I know he's confident, but you're probably right. It's a good sign. Rommel Dockery moved over, so clearly they need help there. Uh, If he's a four-star talent and that was kind of the evaluation he got, he should have the ability to go in there right away, make a play or two, and show the coaches he has what it takes to be on the two deep. Um, but overall, for me, I don't really have much expectation just because he's getting in so late. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if it, I, I think he gets a shot. He definitely gets a look. And if they need him, you know, he definitely goes in, especially, you know, they they had some losses there. Gabe Ovegaard, um, Cyril Nolan Lewis, both left the program. So that secondary was, you know, it, it's experienced, but it was also depleted in, in a, lot of, a lot of ways. So to have Christian Wallace come in, see what he can do. Um, obviously, he worked out all summer with the team. So hopefully he... Worked out at home and, and didn't eat Twinkies the whole time he was there. But um, 
that's you know hopefully that come, he can come in and make a make a play for playing time. But I don't think it's I don't think either of us can have expectations of this kid's going to be a starter by week two yeah. without without seeing him. And then just what about the DBs in general? Are you happy with their play? Um, I think Xavier Crawford had a couple mistakes, mental mistakes, but he's a freshman. I don't know if you're you can't be surprised by that. I liked their play. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Like, look, Mitch Leidner, for all the hype he got, he sucked. He couldn't complete a pass. He was nowhere close. I'm not going to give a lot of credit to the DBs because some of those throws were just atrocious, but I, I watched a lot of what they were doing as well, and there wasn't much separation there. They had a couple breakdowns, but that's going to happen throughout a game, and the linebackers are to blame a little bit for that too with some of those tight end slips, but uh, I like the DB play. I thought the DB play was good, and that's that's the area that's strong for them. Like, there's a couple areas that most people just kind of penciled in. DB play to me was one area where I said, "Yeah, I actually think they're going to be good." Brandon Arnold, Tristan Deku, Crawford on the other side over there. I think they're going to be just fine. So overall, I like the DB play. Yeah, I, I thought they played okay, and I the the defensive line took some uh, some crap. I think just for not. Uh, not getting a pass rush, but I yeah. think they did they did an okay job because it didn't put as much pressure on the, the linebackers and DBs. So yeah. they were they were containing their guys for the most part. That's all I have for questions. Okay. All right. Well, good questions there. Um, I did see one, and I can't I can't find a can't give credit to it because I don't know who tweeted it. Let me give me a second here. I did see one right before I came in here to do this podcast. Hold on a second. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, I thought this was a good one from uh, Doug Max. He said, uh, where did Riley's recruiting fail, and how has Gary Anderson's approach changed that? I thought that was a pretty good question for you. That is a good question. Um, I, I think the, the fail, you know, and you could say fail, you could say disappointment, but I think Riley, like it or not, and I, I think they struggled. They didn't have a lot of good closers on the staff as far as closing guys, and I, I think they were taking flyers on guys that they thought they could develop instead of going after guys that could come in and make immediate, immediate impacts. So when you're taking gambles year in and year out on guys that you know need to come in and gain a bunch of weight or put on a bunch of, of weight or need to work on certain things, they're not ready to contribute right away. So, you, And you don't know if they will. You, you don't know if the, you know, one or two of those guys a year is okay, but when you're making classes out of it, that's a, that can make you, you know, it's a, it's a struggle when the rest of the Pac-12 is is recruiting at a fairly high high level. So Gary Anderson has made it a priority that every coach on that staff is a is a great recruiter. They need to hit the road. They need to close. And no guy is off limits. I mean, they're not afraid to stick their nose into a four- or five-star kid that has offers from Alabama and everyone else and, you know, go after it. Now, if the kid says he's not interested, fine, they'll move on. But if they act interested, want to learn more, those coaches aren't giving up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good question. Um, all right, so uh, is there anything else? We no, anything? I just, just remind everybody to, to jump, jump on uh, beaverblitz.com over at Scout right now. Sign up, buy one month, and get two more free. All right, that's a fantastic deal. And again, hey, congratulations, Angie, to everybody at Beaver Blitz, yourself included. Uh, it's a fantastic move. I'm really happy for you. And uh, everybody, go go make the switch. It's very easy. To, it's an easy given. You want to continue with Beaver Blitz. It's the best one out there. And if you haven't tried us, now's the time. Boom. Good deals. All right. Uh, Good stuff there on another edition of the damn podcast. We'll be back next week as you get ready for Idaho State. Probably not going to be a lot of Idaho State 
worthy nuggets just for a heads up. We'll just probably talk about, hey, you know, what do you want to see from this? Hopefully something comes from some of the practices leading up to it. And uh, we'll talk a little more Oregon State football. It's going to be a good edition uh, of the damn podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to everybody for uh, listening this week. Sorry that they lost to Minnesota. But, hey, they showed some fight, Angie. That's all we wanted, right? That is. They they fought hard. All right. There we go. Uh, We'll be back next week for another edition of the damn podcast. Hey, guys. Brandon Sprague sticking around here. I just wanted to thank you once again for listening to the damn podcast. Me and Angie really uh, appreciate it because we're taking time out of our day to do this for you just because we like talking some Oregon State football. If you could do us a big favor, go to iTunes right now. Hit subscribe if you're not already. And leave us a rating and also comment. You hate it, you love it, we don't really care. Just leave us a comment. Five star our bleep. And uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it.